Hello everyone, my name is Monica. Oh, sorry, we're gonna do that again. Hello everyone, my name is Monica Kretschmer and I'm the founder and CEO of the Universal Women's Network, Woman of Inspiration Awards, and this is the Woman of Inspiration podcast, where we speak with women who are leading by example, dreaming big, ignoring the naysayers, and inspiring others to live their life on purpose and realize their dreams too. So today we are speaking with Margaret Adu and Margaret, you are our 2020 Woman of Inspiration, uh, Black Women Leader Award recipient for this year. And so I'm super excited to have the opportunity to share with our listeners your story uh, about coming to Canada and really building your career here. You're raising your kids and, you know, really making an impact in the lives of the people that you touch. So um, without further ado, uh, welcome, Margaret. Thank you so much, Monica. And thank you for having me on your podcast. It's exciting to be here. Ready well, to and I'm, I know that before we hopped on and I pressed record on our podcast today, I always do this. We have the most interesting conversations in the green room. And I said, stop, we have to get this on tape because our listeners are going to be really inspired with your story. So, Margaret, we were talking about how you actually arrived in Canada uh, from Ghana. Mm-hmm. So if you can share your story, and I know it's gonna come out even better than we talked about, but share your story, how you arrived here, and just the description of arriving to a different country, where you came from, it was very different. Yeah, so yeah, I did arrive here, I think 93 of March, and as I was telling Monica, I was a seasoned architect back home in Ghana. I had my own practice, I had plans, my husband was doing his PhD at E of A in Edmonton. So I had to come. And it was a tough call because I just didn't want to leave Ghana. And so my dad was like, you are married, you gotta go. So I was like, yeah, I know, I gotta go. So here I go to the Canadian embassy trying to get a visa to come to Ghana, to come to Canada. And you know these visa guys, they tossed me up and down. So I looked at the woman straight in her face and I said, hey, you think I want to go back? I want to go to that country of yours? It's really cold, okay? You give me that visa. It's warm here. I have a life here. And I don't want to go and face any cold. Give me that visa now. And she looks at my face and says, can you come at 2 p.m.? I said, no, no 2 p.m. stuff. I want the visa now. You put that stamp in. Then she looks at my face and goes, Papa, here. I'm like, thank you. Good girl. Then I had to come. I arrived and my husband came with his old dirty car and I was like, the car is so dirty. Back home in Ghana, we clean cars every day because we have drivers who clean the car every morning. And I'm like, what's happening? And he was late, so I was so mad being a sports brat. Well, I sat in the car and then we come out and the roads were all dead. I'm like, this place is really dead. What's happening here? I had no idea it was March and the snow was slush. So I, I get to where he lives and it was Hub Mall. I'm like, believe in the mall? Hub Mall? What's Hub Mall? He says, yeah, it's student residence and there's a mall at the bottom. I'm like, oh my goodness. Then we get to his room and it's this tiny room, the double bed fits exactly in the room. I called my mom and said, I can't stay here. First of all, the country is dirty. The room is tiny. My mom was like, relax. I said, mom, you should see the place. And uh, we live in the half mall, the mall, and his room is at the corner where there are smokers. And the smoke, mom, my mom flew all the way here. She says, girl, I'm coming to see where you live. So she comes, she comes to visit. She says, settle down, you'll be okay, settle down. It was a good thing she came. Honestly, I realized, I had nowhere to go, and I was stuck in Alberta. So Margaret, I'm gonna suck, I'm gonna make the best out of it. You got that for yourself. Mm. And I realized, 
are going to make the best out of it. And 20, how many years now? 27 years, or oh, 28. 28 years this March. I'm still here. And I'm not sulking. But I've achieved a lot. Just oh. by embracing who I am. And yes, you have, you have achieved a lot. And I just thought, you know, for one, I can, I can see moving from someplace that you're completely comfortable, you're really set up, you have a great job, um, you have a business, you have your education, um, and it's warm. Why on earth would you come to Alberta? Of course, it's for your husband. Uh, But you completely had to build your whole life here again. And what I find really interesting is that I'd love you to share with your listeners about your experience as an architect and with a armful of experience um, that you're bringing along with you. How hard was it to get a job from the beginning? It was really tough, honestly. I just went to the library and I got um, the Alberta Institute of Architects. They have this whole book and all their names are in there with their practices. So I thought I was just going to make phone calls because I'm a go-getter. I don't sit, I just call or I go straight to your office. And that's how I talk to you to get a job. So then I go to the library, get this, come home, make all these phone calls, and everyone I call be like, no, 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 no. And at that time, we're not building in Alberta. I could tell that we're not building, like now, you know, and everyone was like, no, no, no. Like, then I called this guy, and we got the address. The address seemed like it was really close to where we lived. It was on White Avenue, and we lived like a block from White Avenue. Like, it must be close. So he goes, no. So then I just, said, okay, put the phone down, grab my portfolio, walked out of our apartment, straight down why I've been looking for the address and I found it, zooms through, I zoomed straight into his office. I'm like, I'm here. He says, you're here for what? I'm like, I know. I just spoke to you. He said, you had no job, but I want a job. And he goes, we don't have a job. I said, but I'm not going anywhere. I want a job. And he goes, we don't have a job. I said, I have my portfolio. You haven't even looked at it. Because we don't have any openings here, no positions. Okay, I'll work for free. Because you what? Can I work for free? Because really? Why would you do that? So because I'm black and I'm a woman. I have no I don't have Canadian experience. I have an accent as you would say, but I don't have an accent. I speak the Queen's English, this is how I speak, but you see that I have an accent. I have a gap in my teeth because I didn't wear braces, but it is me. And because I don't look right for the job, right? Because I do not have the candidate experience. And I know that I don't have the candidate education either, but I'll work for free. Because let me see your portfolio. So I opened the portfolio, it goes, oh, wow. It's some good boy. I said, yeah, you see? I went in England a bit and I did all this. So I'll work for free. She says, okay, that's your desk. Okay, thank you. The fact that I had a desk was good enough. I'm gonna do architecture. Well, all this time, I needed to support my husband because he was a student. So I started looking for other jobs, right? So then I got a job with some home care agency, and then she trained me on home care. So then I do the architectural job, and then she sent me to this lady who had polio, was really disabled with a disabled husband and an adopted, adopted son, a lovely couple, lovely family. So four, I did I did a four o'clock to eleven o'clock shifts, and he, she taught me on the job, you know. So after working with with um, the architecture company for a bit, like I think it was a month, I decided to sleep in. On purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyone okay, else doing? Intentionally sleeping in late for the job. Yeah. They, they weren't paying you anyways. Because they're not paying me. It's voluntary. So I just slept in, and she goes, Margaret, you're late. You're not here, Mike. Hey, but you don't pay me. Oh, don't pay me today. I'm sleeping in. Well, the job has to go to Japan. Blah, blah, blah. I say, yeah, yeah, yeah. The job has to go to Japan, but I'm sleeping in. You don't pay me. Hey, when would you come in? Write the contract. I'll be there. He goes, Margaret, we want you to come in. We'll write the contracts. Please come in. I say, ah, now you are talking. Now I have arrived. 
had to work for free. You had to figure me out. You realized that you needed me. I was good for the job. So now, you see, I got you. Write a contract. I'll be there. So that's how I got my first architecture job. Paid job. Can you imagine? I'm working there. I'm working at home care. Then I um, I get pregnant. I tell Daryl, I like, I gotta quit the job. She can't quit, she can't quit. And what do you mean I can't quit? I can't take my daughter to daycare. This is a miracle baby I had. I've been looking for a baby for three years and I got this beautiful baby girl. I'm not doing no daycare business, okay? I can't, it's not happening. This baby too is all breast milk, breast milk, breast milk. So I don't know how I'm gonna deal with daycare. She goes, Mama, just take the job home, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, I'll try. Can you imagine how the world to take this tent? So I take the job home. My baby's all over. I go say, Daryl, I gotta quit. That's it. She says, oh my goodness, I said, I can't do this. I need to be 100% for my baby. So I quit. I quit. And then and I had the home care job. But then that one too, it was easy to take the night shift, leave the baby with daddy and do night shifts, you know, and come breastfeed, take care of baby in the day, leave baby with daddy in the night, do night shifts. Yeah, so that's how it all ended. So when I was leaving and my husband got a job in Calgary, so we had to move to Calgary when I was leaving, I said to Daryl, I'm going to Calgary. And he goes, you are going to do so well. I have been such a persistent, persuasive woman in my whole life. You are going far, girl. I said, thank you, Daryl. He says, I'll keep you a, I'll keep you a reference letter anytime. I'm like, oh, okay. So he wrote me a reference letter. I came to Calgary, got some architectural company to the letter. They hired me on the spot. Then I'm like, what am I doing? I left the office driving home. I'm like, I can't even take this job. I have to do daycare here to, to get 360.10 straight back to the office. I said, I quit. So we just hired you, had you quit. I said, oh, honestly, I can't do it. I have a baby. I can't do home care, uh, daycare. I can't do that. I have to be home with my kid, blah, blah, blah. He goes, really? So, but I have a friend and he needs a job. He's in Edmonton. I'll call him and you can give him that job. So I called my friend and he drove here and got that job. So I stayed home, helped my baby, and I started making phone calls. I took home care at night. I was in all these home care jobs, Edgemont Lodge. I even did Walmart at night, stocking shelves. And then I remember talking to the Walmart workers. I'd be like, you know what? One day you'll be working with me. I have a plan. I'm just working to save money because I have a plan. I want to open a home. They go, what do you mean? I'm like, I took care of a lady in Edmonton. And she did very well in her house. And I did home care. And when we took that lady to the nursing home, she died in two weeks. So I know that I have a vision to have a home. Because all those old ladies who are putting, who are putting all those institutionalized 200 bed facilities, they go there and they digress and they die. And Dorothy died. She starved herself for two weeks. Dorothy's wish was to die in her home. Authorities went against her wish because she had no personal directives and took her to the nursing home. And Dorothy starved herself. Had only half a cup of apple juice in two weeks and died. So on behalf of Dorothy, I'm going to buy a house one day. I'm going to make it beautiful. I'm going to have all these seniors come there. We'll be one family. That was my concept, my vision, my aim. So I said, I'm, it's, it is all for a season. I'm doing all this for a season. So I was saving money towards my first home. And I couldn't save much. But I did all the night jobs. Till then, I was ready to buy the home. And the home, I didn't even have money for the home. But I knew I wanted that home. So one day, as I was driving, I saw this lovely bungalow. I stopped. So that is the house. I'm claiming this house. This is me. This is my home. And I called the realtor. He goes, What do you want? I'm like, I want the house. Since you have the money, I said no. He goes, You have to, you can assume the mortgage. Those days you could assume the mortgage. You have to qualify. $36,000. $36,000? I don't have $36,000. 
but I want the house. Because but you need the money. I said, you call the owner. There's a, there's a crazy black woman here who is saying that she wants his house. Because what did you say? I said, you heard what I said. I said, call the owner. Because we have a, we have an offer. I said, I don't care. Just call the owner. Everybody's destiny is different. Call the owner. And I begged that realtor to call. And he had come to meet me at the house. And then he called me and he says, there's this lady here. She's insisting she wants your home. She says, she goes, really? Tell her I'll give her the home. I'll lend her the money to her the money. This what the realtor is like, what did you just say? We have an offer. He says, no, 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 no. Tell the lady, I'm going to lend her the money to assume the mortgage. She can pay me when she's ready. That is how I got my first one. Oh, oh my goodness. Okay, so that, let's pause here and just think about that. We always say you don't, I always say, you don't get what you don't ask for. You ask and you shall receive. I'm telling you, Monica, everything I've done in this country is just asking because I'm going to get a, a yes or a no. Get a no, I'll deal with it. No's are good. They push you on. Yes to our good. So for me, I'll ask. That's me. When we applied for landed immigrants, my husband said to me that it's not allowed. When you're a student, you have to leave and go back to your country. This guy keeps on this PhD degree he's never done because he doesn't want to go back to his country. I said, I'm going to apply for London. He said, no, 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 you can't apply for London. We have to go back. To... I said, David, I don't care what the law says. We can just try. You never know. He says, the law says that students can't apply. I said, okay, I'll apply. Monica, you know I applied in three months. I got it. And all the students at U of A, the international students, like, you hear that there was this woman came from Ghana. She's married to David Nyaku, and she got it. So she got what? She got landed. How did she do it? I just applied. That's all. And you know, when they called and said, welcome to Canada, I said, huh? Is that it? I thought we were supposed to go to Buffalo or someplace for an interview. She says, no, 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 miss. Just drive to Kootenay, uh, Montana or whatever it is and turn around and then they'll give you a stamp. Welcome to Canada. So I said, you see, I just asked. I just applied. Just do it. You never know. That's me. So I'm going to ask you about your three words that best describe you. Three words that best describe me. I'm authentic. I'm frank. I'm, some people say I, I, don't, I, I, I like to be humble. You know, because in everything I do, I want humility to be first and foremost. So I might not look that, but I'm very humble. Okay, so if people describe, if I ask people, because sometimes I don't know myself, so I have a lot of people tell me so many, they'll be like, you're authentic, you're assertive, you're diligent. I don't know which one to choose. But what I say for myself is, I am authentic, I'm humble, and I can be frank and assertive. Sometimes my frankness can hurt, and I take it back like, you've got to know me, please. I, I didn't mean to hurt you, I just say it as it is sometimes, but I'm sorry. So I'm learning to be sensitive to a lot of people and be careful how, how frank I am. Yeah. I would say one word that pops into my mind. It starts with an A and it ends with an S. Ambitious. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that word is uh, one that's being talked about right now, thanks to Mina Harris, is that word about being ambitious. And, yes. you yeah. know, how women. Uh, you know, it's almost like it was a dirty word for a woman to be ambitious. 
you know, but it's such a powerful word to be ambitious and to own that power. And so that's definitely a word that I have for you is ambitious and you don't take no for an answer, which is a okay for man or woman is, you know, you have to be able to ask for what you want okay with the nose um but just keep building towards your dreams so super uh powerful story and i yeah. hope listeners are absorbing some of your you know and it's true you're very authentic and humble about it and you know you just try and i just try and monica i just came to realize that my aha moment for me was i knew that i had to accept who i was you know, in a foreign land. And even in, even was not in a foreign land, even in, even in Ghana, because sometimes we try to be somebody we are not. I realized that, look, I'm not gonna be speaking like Monica. I am not going to be um, bleached like Monica. I have more tans. I tell people, oh, I think when God created us, my barbecue bent. And I like bent barbecue. <laughs> Some dark. I'm not. <laughs> and I remember when the dentist said they were going to put braces on me when I came, because back when I went to the dentist, and I'm here, and they're like, oh, we can put braces on and close that gap. I'm like, that's my signature. In my country, that's a sign of beauty. So if you close that gap, it will change who I am. Mm. So I came to realize that embrace me you know and the day that i realized that no this is me and this is who i am that was my aha moment i've always said embrace your you it's only when you embrace your you when you achieve the unthinkable because when you embrace your you you'll be confident with your you and when you are confident with your you you will love your you your you is the only one you have you are you if you can't love you first, what are you gonna love? Because at the end of the day, you are left with this forever. It's the only thing you got, you got that you really own. So if I can embrace who I am, I'm not gonna be confident enough to be able to face anybody or my adversities or my competition. I'm not gonna be able to because I don't have the confidence in who I am. But if I believe in who I am and I'm appreciative of the God's creation of me, then hey, who can be in my way except me? Mm. Nobody made a difference trying to be somebody else anyway. You can only make a difference being yourself. So have you always been this confident Margaret that we see? No. So looking back. Everybody says, how do you get confidence? And I have my own thoughts on that, but I'm really excited to hear your because, thoughts. Because I was, I've been, because I, I, I became proud of me. I, I was happy. I embraced me. When I was growing up, trust me, back home wasn't easy. And growing up back home, I couldn't talk. I couldn't talk like those slappy. Just shut too mouthy you can't go to your mom and say things so most of us grew up having low self-esteem think you're not beautiful enough and even even in africa people see lighter skin even here lighter skin better than darker skin so people people of color women of color try to bleach their skin and so you always think you are the lesser of the folk right yeah, so, but I realized that I had a voice. So when I came out of there and I came to a foreign land where nobody was like, shut up, keep quiet. I was like, oh, here too, there are some good parts about this land. I'm gonna combine both. When I raise up my kids, I try to combine both culture here in the culture but my daughter said to me one day mom you did a really good job bringing us us up because we do we we appreciate the culture here and we appreciate who we are too we appreciate the culture back home back home when you get a gift today tomorrow you, gotta, you can say thank you but tomorrow morning you've got to call and say thank you again for the gifts so one of the cultures I said, my two girls went home without me when they were 15 and 17. My mom called me and says, Margaret, I said, what? She says, you trained your girls well. Daniel and Debbie were here yesterday. 
I gave them something this morning because to say thank you. I said, ah, so I called. <laughs> and then when Daniel was telling Debbie, we're going to call grandma and say thank you. was like, we already thanked her yesterday. And Daniel goes, don't you hear mom always calling to say thank you the following day? So you have to match both. There are good things here. So I came and like, wow, I'm in this country, you know, I got to embrace me. I got to love me. I'm no lesser than anybody. Nobody, I've taught everybody that we, nobody is above anybody. All you have to do is you have to make yourself better. You understand? You have to make yourself better. You are not better than anyone else. But to be better than you used to be yesterday. So every day you get up, you're a better person than yesterday. So at the end of the day, I realized that crap. You know that saying that goes, uh, what does it say? Be the kind of woman that when your feet hit the ground every morning, the devil goes, crap, she's up again. <laughs> <laughs> because that day when you get up, you're going to maybe be better. You're going to so be better. So I was going to ask you, so confident and humble, and I love the thank yous um, that you've taught your daughters. I think that's really great. I love thank you notes, and I... <laughs> I created stationery for that. But what I want to ask you is, how does it feel when you're on your path, doing what you're doing, and you're okay in your own skin, and then you have somebody that says, congratulations, Margaret, you've been nominated for a Woman of Inspiration Award. How does it feel to be recognized? Honestly, everybody needs validation. Because, um, we go about our daily jobs and people think, oh, yeah, okay, oh, she's okay, she's got this. Every one of us needs validation. It's, it, it's be, I, I can't explain it because it's an out of skin experience. It's my, I remember my first one, not my first awards was Immigrant of Distin Distinction Award to remember. And I was like, what did they see in me? And then when you guys, whatever i'm like what did they see in me and i was so grateful it made me want to do more it made me want to realize that wow i'm i'm making a big difference in life so that others that's success for me for me success is not about your bank accounts but about what you can impact on others that they can impact on others and before you know a whole community is impacted in a very positive way that's success. Mm. Well said. You know, so when I got that award, it was like, it was all not in vain. Somebody is watching and somebody has been impacted by what I've been doing. Somebody, I don't know who nominated me until today. I was like, whoever saw the reason to nominate me, I must have tied that person in a, in a, in a, in a very big way. You know, for the person to realize that this woman has got nice because she's doing so much and nobody is really validating her. Everybody needs validation. So did that help push position you? Like, uh, you know, so what what has been sort of your experience since that? Is it's wanting me to do more. It's, it's wanting me to do more. Is I wish um, I could do more like outreach. You know, I love outreach a lot. I, I usually I tell my kids, I think there's more I can do. So far as I have breath, there's more I can give, you know, because if you're a woman of inspiration, there are lots more women who need to hear from you or who need you to be there for them or who need you to mentor them or who need you to tell them that, look, you are capable. You are beautiful the way you are. You are unique. Embrace you. You know, look, Hold on to you. Who love you? Mm. You know, there are more people who need to hear this. A lot of youth, um, it's so sad to see little girls think they are not good enough, you know, and want it to be somebody else. Why do they want to be somebody else? 
Yeah, Monica, Madrids. It takes a it takes a while, you know, to get comfortable in that skin, and it takes so a while. I know. When we were growing up, I know we didn't have a lot of like really big female role models, mm -hmm. and now we have so many more opportunities to share stories like yourself and share the wisdom from women who can help support, you know, young girls kind of you know build that confidence and you know, navigate careers, you know, just like, you know, what happens when you get a no, try again, you know, um, what's the worst that can happen to you? Just ask, right? So there's so many more women around us now, Margaret, that are able to champion for each other and mm -hmm. to influence our younger generation. So we're in a really cool time. Um, still a lot of growth that needs to happen, but I look at when I was young, I didn't have that. Yeah, I didn't have that either. I didn't have that either. And um, I didn't have that at all, trust me. I'm the only girl among so many boys. I didn't have that. I look back and I tell, I my kids always say, write a book, mom. I say, why they are writing a book? But I didn't have that. And um, because I didn't have that, I know there are so many people who need that. And so I've had the opportunity to talk a lot, to speak a lot. I've done a lot of speeches and I've been, I've traveled a lot to share some of these inspirational stories, you know, and impact the lives of other women. And there are lots of them like me who have had no, 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 and who have thought they're not, they're not good enough even from the way they speak, the way they look, you know? And um, <laughs> my son sent me a text yesterday. Mom, mom, my son is so funny. When he sends a text, he texts like he's calling me at home. He goes, mom, 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 are you there, mom, mom? I say, yes, Kobe. Mom, if somebody says, you don't look the parts for a managerial position, is that systematic racism? I said, yeah, he goes, thank you, mom. Okay, good night. You know, so things like this happen, right? Yeah, and you're gonna get no all the, that's what happened to me when I came. He wouldn't give me the job because I didn't fit the position. And honestly, Monica, what I didn't tell you was, he had a Japanese um, partner and he was Canadian. And the Japanese partner cared less for me. He didn't want to see me at all. The, the Canadian was nicer when he gave me the job. And then one day as I was working, a client came to the home, to the office, and he was Japanese. And the client said, I was working like this, and was I guess heard somebody speak behind me in my dialect, in my Ghanaian dialect. And he said, how are you in my Ghanaian dialect? So I'm like, you just speak Ghanaian? You just speak tree? He goes, yeah. He says, um, I'm the main client. And at that time, we're designing for Japan. We're introducing the two by four framing in Japan because of their earthquakes for lighter buildings. He says, I'm the main, I'm the main client. I just flew in today. And he spoke my language. He goes, yeah, I can speak your language. I was in your country for two years. I know, I know. He goes, I know exactly the, the school he went to. I lived in that city for two years. And he go, you know what he did? He said, guys, the school she went to is the best in the Commonwealth in Africa. Right away, the Japanese partner became my friend because this was the clients that we're working for. See how the world is? That client invited David and I to dinner that night. He didn't invite any of the others. That is why you should never turn your back on people because you never know who is going to lift you up one day when you are down. Mm. Never know. The job I do, I meet a lot of different clients. And honestly, I've come to see the world in a different, a different perspective. Whoever you see, wherever they come from, whatever their situation, you got to be nice. You got to, you got to give a helping hand because you never know when you'll be in that situation. Mm -hmm.
so true, Margaret. I am thinking about a couple things and I, I have to go back a little bit earlier in some of my questions and your answers. And I'm thinking about you stocking the shelf at Walmart, right? And yeah. how many of us were ever in a job at some point in our lives where we have, where we've said something where we're like, we're going to do this. And you had people kind of just go, sure you are. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How many people raise the hand? Everybody's hand goes up. That when you say and loud that you're going to do this or build this, that you have people going, okay, sure you are, right? I, I just love that piece. is such a good reminder, right? That you never know who you're working with, who you're going to be rubbing shoulders with, you know, each and every day, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And that are part of that bigger vision that... And you said that you were going to, I'm going to, you're going to work with me one day, you know, yeah. you and I are going to bust out of here and yeah. you work with me one day, yeah. you know, so relationships are everything. And yeah. like you said, never turn your back back on anyone because you never know where the opportunity will come, where, you know, it provides. And they would be the ones holding your hand. Correct. They would be the ones holding So great. And I think those are really, you know, so when we talk about, you know, what makes a woman of inspiration, you know, we're, we're talking about being humble. We're talking about being kind. We're talking about being ambitious and assertive and, you know, just kind of just going on your own path, not really worrying about what everybody else is thinking. Mm -hmm. And what, what I really love to share with our listeners more and more is the fact that every woman has the ability, every woman inspires somebody. We just don't know about it half the time, mm -hmm. right? Well, we're nominated for something, we receive a letter or an email or a text message that said, thank you so much, you made an impact in my world, or if you're speaking, somebody comes up to you afterwards and tells you, but until you can validate that and share that with somebody, you have no idea the impact that you're making. So, exactly. right? So exactly. Leaders, if somebody inspires you, don't keep it a secret. Tell them. Tell them. It, it's you going to have to, to tell them. You have to. You have to tell them. You have to. Because they need to validate. They need to know that. And it's so nice to know that you've made that difference in that person's life. It's 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 more rewarding than anything, as I'm trying to say. You know, I look, I always look forward. You know, people like that, we love to give. You know, we love to give more than it, than we see. You know, we are like that. But then when you receive, it's beyond measures. You don't, you don't know how it is. I don't know. I, I don't know how to explain because I'm always in awe when I receive. Mm. Because usually I'm on the giving end, and everybody knows that I'm on the giving end. You know, so but. My, what I love to receive are just those words. You inspired me. Thank you. I love you. Want a hug? More than even the material things. Because words go a long way. I'll remember those words forever, right? And those words, yeah, those words will propel me to do more, to do more, to do more, to do more. When we have others. So speaking of doing more, I don't know that we had shared with our listeners. So how you connected your architecture to your um, home care. So tell our listeners about that, because um, I think that's an important part of your journey of how you connected the two worlds that you really love. So basically, yeah, I didn't know I was going to be a good caregiver. So I took care of the lady that went to the nursing home and died in two weeks, but it didn't occur to me that I, I had made an impact on her life because um, I was taking care of her through an agency, the agency told, the, the, the family told the agency they wanted me to take care of it. So they took me away from the agency before I knew I was taking care of Dorothy. And then I had to hire people to help because she was 24 seven care. You know, so then that's how come I said, hey, Omega. So it was Alpha Omega group. It was long. It was in Edmonton. Then before I knew, I realized that Dorothy couldn't shovel her snow. I told my husband, let's shovel the snow and shovel everybody else's snow. We can, we can charge them. So we started shoveling snow and making money. So 
then I realized that this is what I wanted to do. Because Dorothy would look at me and say, where did you come from? You go from heaven? What's, what's your color again? She had dementia. So she thought, I said, Dorothy, I'm black. She goes, no, you're dark brown. I said, whatever, Dorothy. Then she was an advent smoker and she was alcoholic. So be, she, liked, she liked the alcohol. So I'll be like, Dorothy, you got to quit smoking. You know, it's not good for my cough. She goes, oh, I quit. I'll do that for you. So she quit smoking. She quit smoking, drinking. She quit smoking. She started eating. She put on weight. Oh, she was my my grandma. She was my grandma. Oh, loved it. She loved me. So I realized that um, I could get houses. I did architecture. I could design the homes. I could renovate the homes. Make them so beautiful. People like Dorothy. So I made both. So when I was able to get that first home, I renovated it. So I took a job in Niger at Edmond, Ed, Edmond Lodge to learn the business. And then I was thinking of a, a guy. So I did that night, you know, to figure it all out. So then I, they had fireplace, they had a lazy boy chairs, the seniors loved them. So I did everything and put that in the house. Then after that, I realized I could design the homes and so buy them. So I designed the very first personal care home in, in Alberta, basically, or maybe even in Canada. I don't even know because personal care homes were not popular across the spectrum of Canada, but mainly in, in Alberta. So I invited EHS come and see it. It was a very, the, the, the first of it, it was six bedrooms up, two bedrooms down with um, seven bathrooms, elevator, but it was in a family, a residential, a residential area, so you didn't know that it was a facility, you know, so that's how I made them both, and if I can't live in the house, you can live there, so all my homes are beautifully designed or renovated and furnished, just like my home, like I have to be able to live there, I love nice things, honestly. So, and I make sure that everybody is comfortable. So that's how I made both. So it was very easy for me. And I love real estate. So it's very easy for me to acquire the real estate or design the real estate and then provide the special relationships. You know, architecture makes you, it, it helps you with special relationships, the spaces, the rooms, and then stuff like that with the care, you know. And in the end, as I, uh, one thing I accomplished was starting with one client. So I don't know how many clients now, 50 something. I don't know. I, I have to count. 50 clients? I think 52 or 40. I forgot. <laughs> 46. At least I know more than 40 clients. Yeah. You know, yeah. So before I knew I had just the one client in the one home to so many clients in 11 homes. You know, and I'm managing three other, com two other companies. You know, apart from A Omega, I manage more to life and to do alone. So, yeah. So if you put all those clients, because I may be 60, I'm not, I keep on, yeah. So can you imagine, here I am, from the, the peasant woman from Africa, an architect coming to Canada and switching from architecture to healthcare. People are asking, I don't have a healthcare degree, Monica. I'm not an RN, I'm not, I'm not an LPN, I'm not a doctor. I'm just Margaret Edu, the architect. But I have hearts. And heart is what you need. Mm. If you have hearts, you can do a lot. Well, I've got a young lady that I would love to introduce you to. She started uh, Direct Health. Uh, she was one of our Women of Inspiration 2019. So I think you need to cross paths with Jessica. Um, she's definitely a go-getter and she's an, um, an RN. Uh, sorry, she's going to call me and say, that's not correct, Mom. <laughs> that's not the right title for me. Um, but she's she's able to write the prescriptions um, like a doctor would. Oh, yeah, she's an RN then. Uh, or a licensed practical nurse. I think she's an RN. There are some RNs who are able to write prescriptions. Yeah, hi, right. I know they that have that. Yeah. So, so the eight years of schooling um, to come out so that she actually, you know, does her. Yeah, that's long. Yeah, I know, I know those, yeah. Yeah. She so, can be director of health for any facility. Exactly. And she's 
so amazing. So, I, yes, you have to meet her. But I want to say what an inspiring story. And I think that for listeners, you know, um, it's it's you never know uh, what doors will open for you. But keep focused on your passion, I think, is really important for people. And, you know, you might think that they don't connect, but they do in the end. And sometimes it's using the two passions that you have to actually make something work for you mm-hmm. so um thank you for you should know that in care in caregiving your greatest achievement is when you see that your clients have progressed to self-digress so in a omega we believe that when the clients step foot in an a omega facility they're going to get better we've had we've had clients coming and gone back to the community to live on their own that is how successful that program is. So if people are wanting to get a hold of you, how do they get hold of you after listening to what you're doing for the home care industry? And oh, designing and building. 403-383-2644. I always pick up my line. So, or you link on LinkedIn. Is there a LinkedIn address? For yeah, you? yeah, I do have. I'm on LinkedIn, yeah. I think LinkedIn's pretty safe, to be honest with you. So I'm going to suggest that the listeners contact you on LinkedIn. They can say, Margaret, I heard your interview (laughs) on Woman of Inspiration podcast, and I'd love to learn more about what you're doing. So I think that would be a great um, way. Um, Everyone, I just want to say thank you so much, Uh, Margaret. Before we end today, um, I always ask, you know, it's Woman of Inspiration. You are a woman of inspiration. You're inspiring others in your path and I think that your voice to inspire other women um, either new to the country or just finding their own way um, you know uh, who is your I always want to know who is your woman of inspiration who inspires you I think when I came um, when I came here first Oprah inspired me a lot you know Oprah inspired me a lot because of where she came from, what she achieved. And she was a typical black woman. Typical black woman, you know. So and and I think that also speared me to knowing that I could do something with being a typical black woman. Mm. You know, yeah. So she she did inspire me. I think she's still I don't you don't hear of her much now. I'm, all, I'm always asking, where's Oprah? Where's Oprah? I keep on asking, you know, but she still inspires me. Oprah's relaxing from that 2020 roadshow that she did right before yes. <laughs> right before COVID hit. I think the last yeah, exactly that was JLo um, in LA. So I know that was jam-packed. She was on the road. I don't know where she gets her energy, but um, I know. yeah, so it, Oprah's it, resting right now. <laughs> yeah, she is. Yeah, I keep on asking, yeah. But she did inspire me a lot because she 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 also defied um, adversities. She she was not supposed to be in that position. She wasn't the look for the position. She wasn't the look, but somebody saw something in her. And she never gave up. And she, she never gave up. And I remember one interview where she said, "Nope," and I'm gonna go out and build this network. <laughs> watch me i'm gonna build this network and i i watched that over and over and all and i just i love it so yes true inspiration to so many um women and men just Mm -hmm. in general but Mm -hmm. um thank you uh margaret any last words you would love to share with our listeners today um let's see um there was a saying that um, uh, okay, I wrote something. There was a saying that have you have you seen that saying that says that um, where is that again? Um, I went to somewhere. I'm trying to. Look. I said I was going to read it to you. It's something about women have crazy to work like men. I like that one. The people. What do you are, say? The people that are crazy enough to think that they can change the world are the ones that do. That's one of my hand down favorite quotes in the world. So I always oh, okay. crazy. There's one that says that um, it's hard to be a woman. You must think like a man, act like a lady, look like a young girl and work like a horse. 
That is so pathetic, isn't it? We literally have to be someone we don't want to be for society acknowledges our being, and I think that is wrong. Trying to be someone else never beats confidence and progress. What happened to woman? Woman that has a sense of identity, accepting of who you are regardless, and being confident and ambitious regardless. Today, I stand up here a very proud woman. I'm not going to think like a man. I'm not going to think like a man to get ahead. Women are equally smart. I don't have to look like a young girl to get ahead. A grown-up woman is equally beautiful. I'm accepting my body that changes over time beautifully. And why do I have to work like a horse when I'm not an animal but a woman? Thank you, Monica. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Well, you're one confident, ambitious woman. I'm so happy to have you in our circle. I'm looking forward to having you part of our 100 Women of Inspiration book, where we're going to be shaking up for 2021 <laughs> on the roadways of Canada and uh, looking forward to um, really creating some impact, inspiring others, you know, along the way, inviting women to step in and into their own greatness. So thank you so much, Margaret. Thank it's you, been great. It's been a pleasure too. And really I look forward to the journey ahead. Thank you. Bless you. Thank you for all you do too. You are one energetic Monica, honestly. And keep it that way. You are who you are. And you are, that's why you are there. Well, thank you. It's and I have to say I'm resting now because that road show is going from Vancouver all the way to Halifax. So Oh my goodness. Or we're we're talking 16 days. Yeah. I'm I'm sleeping extra, a little bit extra every night just to make up for it. <laughs> wow, thank you. Take care. Take care. Thank you so much. Have a great day. And thank you to all of our listeners. That was the Woman of Inspiration podcast. Uh, Our guest today was Margaret Adu, who's the president of A Omega. Uh, So if you'd like to learn more about the Woman of Inspiration podcast, uh, listen to other episodes here on Spotify, iTunes. And if you love this episode, I encourage you to please share with some other women that just need that dose of energy and inspiration today. So thanks everyone for joining us and we'll see you again real soon.